Father Yahweh, thank you for yet another day, another day that you have breathed life into my lungs and brought me up to be in your day, walking with you, sharing with you, and you teach me your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom that I share with anyone that would hear, and not just hear the words, Father, but listen to the words and then turn to your word, seeking your face in your truth, knowledge and wisdom, Father God. I pray this. I pray, brothers and sisters, be bold, upright and courageous in truth, in your way, Father God. Things are darkening, but Father God, you are the light. You are the light and you are the way. So we are here together again. Lord has seen fit to bless me with another day. It's a very great thing. And the Lord blesses me daily. <clears throat> so what I would like to share today, and I was thinking about this, uh, thinking about it yesterday, and the Holy Spirit and I were having conversation about these things. I really, really like, and I, I need to get into study more. Um, I like Hebrew. I like the language. I really like the Hebrew language. And, and there are actually a lot of languages that are like this, but I like the Hebrew language, especially because it comes from the time that we know that Jesus walked. That was a predominant language. It was spoken and shared, but Jesus specifically spoke Aramaic. And, um, but Aramaic and Hebrew primarily, but the reason I like it so is because when words are spoken it isn't so much like the English language, which we have so many different rules and, and oh my gosh. And, and here's something that I learned from an English teacher many, many, many years ago when I was young and still in school. I think I'm going to go back to school. Um, the English language is actually the hardest language to learn. And I've been through some other countries. I've been in different countries and and found it as much difficulty as there was to lure, look at it and hear it. But once being there and going through it and immersing in it, it was actually really easy. And the rules weren't so heavily laden. The English language, however, has so many rules, but the reason I like Hebrew so is because when a word is spoken and set a certain way, it doesn't mean a whole bunch of different stuff. You know what it's you know what's being said. Let me see if I can't clarify that a little bit. I, I hopefully I'm saying that right. Um, I believe I am. But in clarity, when you say something, it means something, period. Just like God, when he tells the truth, he tells the truth, period. 
There is no subjectivity to the truth. Oh, your truth's different than my truth. No, the truth is the truth, period. And I shared with you already that um, we have it in Proverbs 12, 2, I believe it was, Proverbs 12, 2. I'm going to flip over there right quick, make sure that I'm giving you right scripture. But it's just like... Um, Well, I'm sorry. I guess I did not. I thought it was in Proverbs 12. But that doesn't matter because Proverbs 12 is full of <laughs> things about the truth and cheating. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is a delight. When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but where the lowly is wisdom, the integrity of the upright shall guide them. But the perverseness of the transgression shall destroy them. And there was the one that I was specifically looking for talking about a lie. A lie is a lie, period. There is no subjectivity to it. With God, when he tells you that a lie is a lie and it is an abominable thing, that truth is delight to him, there is no bending that. There is no twisting it. And this is why I like the Hebrew language. When something is said, it means exactly what is said. When it's put into a sentence and structured that way, it means exactly what it means. Now, I bring that up. Why? Because... We have an example set, or was set before me yesterday, and I was adherent to what God was saying, but there's a word, and it comes from an old Hebrew word, actually, um, and it's pronounced netan. And when you see it written, some people call it Nathan. And it's shortened term for the word Nathaniel or the name Nathaniel and all. But the word Natan is specific. And when it's written out and used in Hebrew, it means he gave. And when you're talking about he gave, not some he, anybody, he, God gave. God gave it. And there, we have an initiative that we have that is born out of this at the church that I attend. It's a beautiful thing. It's called the Nathan Initiative. When you see it written down, people want to say Nathan. Well, that's okay, but that's not what it is. It's Nathan. Nathan comes from the Hebrew. He gave, God gave. But when you say that, you see the word Natan. It doesn't say God gave. But when you see the word and you speak it in Hebrew, it means God gave. It's not some guy, Nathaniel or Nathan or some guy gave. It specifically is God gave. So when the Hebrew speaks that 
a statement or uses that word, it is specifically related to God, period. No ifs, ands, or buts about it, period. And this is, this is why I have a troubling, a troubled heart, and I pray about this, and why I really, really try to emphasize this to you so that you don't run into troubling issues, but that you try the Spirit in all things. Just like we're told, John wrote down and he told us, try the Spirit in all things, because all things are not, all spirits are not from God. And the Holy Spirit that is sent to us to guide us will tell us. It will show us the spirit of truth, but you have to listen. You have to ask. If you don't and you just try to go on your own initiative, you are going to fail and fail miserably. Does make you a failure. It just means that in that instance, you did not seek guidance of truth and you fell down and busted your grill. So what you do is you get up and you dust yourself off. You ask forgiveness and you keep on pressing forward. Let's see, everybody wants to use David as an example to bad things. But the thing of it is that David, David did some things. One in particular, and through the prophet Nathan, and you can read about this in 2 Samuel, actually. 2 Samuel 12, I think, is a prime example that shows that. And God dealt harshly with David. But the thing of it is that David kept coming back to God and presenting God's worship and praise and the sovereignty of God was known in his house. David didn't get all agitated because he fell down and got bumped and shake his fist at God and cry out to him. He did not. He worshiped God and he kept coming back to God because he knows the sovereignty of the Lord God Almighty. There is no subjectivity to anything that God told him. And David knows that. And he knew that then and he knows it now. But you have individuals out there that are trying to subjugate truth and say, well, you know, that's okay. Because your truth is different than mine, but you don't have to be so bigoted or racist about it. They always want to, it always seems to be something that they want to do. They want to pick something up and throw it. And this is why I brought up the last couple times that I've shared with you the matter of truth. And I'm doing it yet again. And it is. There is no subjectivity to it. The truth is a truth, period, and God makes it very clear. If you lie, you are an abomination from your tongue and your mouth, and if you continue to lie, then you make yourself abominable to me, and you need to repent and straighten it out. So if you're lying and continue to lie, as so many out there seem to prefer, there is no bending and there is no... Your truth, my truth. It is the truth, period, exclamation point, dot, dot, dot. However you want to grammatically 
emphasize it doesn't make any difference. God's truth is the truth, period. There is no bending it. And you have the commentators and you have the, those that claim to be uh, theological wizards and they want to look down their nose at people much the way the Pharisees did to Jesus. And they do the same thing today. It doesn't mean that all those that go out and get a theological degree are, are like that. Doesn't mean that at all. What it does mean is that there are individuals that do do that and you need to be cautious. Use and try the spirit of truth in guidance and use it in all things. This is why I, I like the Hebrew language because when something is, is spoken and it's put in a statement, there's no doubt into it. Now they do have some words that are that carry a multiple or they may have a multiple meaning, but when it's structured and you have it in a certain way, there's no doubt as to what's being spoken. And this is one of those instances and one of those words, Nathan. And when you see it written, some people want to say Nathan. But the Nathan means he gave. And in the Hebrew, they know that one speaking is talking about God. God gave, not some guy named Nathaniel. Nathan. God gave. And our Nathan initiative or Nathan initiative, God gives so that we give. And this is what we have adopted. And this is a good thing. And, and taking part in that, um, I had a very, I had a fortunate experience that God allowed me to be a part of. And that was, we had done our life group a little bit differently. We were doing free barbecue yesterday. And a whole lot of people came by and we were, we had a nice brisket provision that we were given. And, um, but it was really for me, it was a blessed day because doing something that God had blessed us through that he gave us and he gave, he gives his blessings are free. We don't have to buy them. We don't have to pay God for blessing. And there's some, there's some churches that unfortunately, um, they bend the truth and, and offering and tithing in order to pay for a blessing. You're going to be blessed. And if you don't tithe, then you're it doesn't work like that. You That's between you and God. And you need to pray that, that you do according to the tenets of God, which is that you give back to him. I mean, he gives so much to you. And the only he asks one thing, 10%. 10%. Think about it. If all you earn a month or a week is $100 a week, $10, $90 is yours. So you set that aside. And your next weekly paycheck, yes, set aside $10. And Sunday when you go to church, you put that in the till. It's not a hard thing to do, but but it is hard for many. And you have to practice giving the first week. And I'm going to share this with you. It was a hard thing for me to do. And I kept trying to figure things out mentally on my own. And was I going to have this and that and this and that and try to negotiate 
mathematically and figure out, but you know, I gave that up. I just opened my hands up and you got to give to God that way. God gives to you openly. He opens the windows of heaven to pour out the blessings. Remember I used that analogy of the of God standing there and just pouring into your cup and just continue pouring and it overflows and it's just pooling on the table and then onto the floor, however, and you know, some people might've got their knickers all crossed up because I used uh, an illustration of a waitress. But the difference being that the waitress uh, that I witnessed was distracted by someone at another table and was just pouring and, and spilled out and, and made a, a huge mess actually, but God is just not making a mess. And when he pours out into my cup, he's looking at me straight in my eyes and he's smiling and you see the love just, it just, it's coming, it exudes from him and just covers me and I can feel it. And then I see that my cup runneth over and he's just pouring out blessings. And he talks about that. Follow my tenets, be in my word, speak my truth, speak the truth, the only truth, not a subjugated truth, but the only truth. And I will open up the heavens and pour out my blessings, which are immeasurable. You can't fathom the depth and the width and the height of his blessings or his love that he pours out on us regularly, daily, nightly, all the time, every time. And that is the infallible truth about God, is that God is love. He doesn't love us goodly or nicely, or he doesn't treat us good because it's the right thing to do, and he's God, and he's got to set an example. No, it doesn't say that. The word of God, the Bible, from disciples and apostles that were with him and on it, and John writes about this, God is love. Jesus talked about it. That I love you because I am in my Father's love. My Father's love is in me. And you are in me. I am in you. It is love. 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 Period. Here's the thing that people get all sorts of crosswise and they don't understand and, and they try to make something out of Christianity that it is not. It is not doing all these things because that helps our salvation or it gets... A, no, we are saved because of Jesus Christ and God's love was immeasurable and came and did this for us, period. And there's nothing that you can do to get it. So you can't wait around and get cleansed and get saved, you know, to, in order to get saved and by doing all this good stuff to, to help you out so you get saved. You get saved so that you can do these good works and able to, this Nathan and the thing that we were sharing yesterday and being able to do that because God gave. God gave, God loves first. The only reason that we can really love and do these things is because God loves us and he loves us first. Because humanistically, if you walk in mammon and you walk according to what we decide, look at these things that we do. We walk away from things that we should be lifting up and holding up and caring for. 
We don't do that. We claim that there's reasons to give up on that. And we make every excuse in the, under the sun to give up on that. Hipparchowood's a good example of that. Oh, so-and-so went to a party with so-and-so, so I don't love them anymore and I'm out of here. And that goes both ways, hackers, actresses, husbands, wives, and, and not just there, but I mean, that's a prime example. So then we take that example and go everywhere else. And these, these supposed open relationships that individuals have, what does that mean? It's totally contrary to the truth and what was established by God. But yet they decide a, a, a few months in that they're going to have an open relationship and see how that works. Yeah, that works real good. So this is when you take the truth and you make it subject. There is no subjectivity to it. There is no your truth, my truth. It is the truth and nothing but the truth, period. Coming back to Natan again. He gave. God gives so that we can give. He blesses me so that I can. And I prayed this. I prayed the prayer of Chavez. Which even before the prophet Nathan was a prophet in the time of David. And actually put David on the spot. And he held no punches because God didn't hold any punches. And Nathan was speaking for God directly. But the thing about Nathan was that he wasn't interpreting what God meant to say. And you have individuals that are either writing the so-called commentaries, this is why I call them the Yenta commentators. Yenta's, um, maybe I, I don't want to be disrespectful on that, not try to be by any means, but if you know about Yenta's, they're, um, it's like a grandma, but she's very very much into everyone's concerns and businesses and has a very big heart. And I mean, it, it, it may come from that, but uh, at times can be annoying. And commentators, the so-called commentators, let's just leave Yenta out of this. I don't want anybody to get upset about their grandmother. But the commentators, the experts on interpretation, the so-called experts on interpretation, and then you have the theological wizards that get right in there and they want to tell you, and here's, here's a clue. I'm going to give you a warning sign, a clue. When you hear someone start to say, and I, I already told you, I tore that book up that I was reading and it was started out fairly good and used a couple scriptures. And then they wanted to start telling others what Jesus meant. And according to this and nothing that was in from their commentary was anything biblical beyond the couple scriptures that they shared. And then all of a sudden they went off into this 
tangent about Jesus Christ and how they were going to tell and how Jesus was telling about things that he wasn't telling about. It wasn't true. So that book got torn up and thrown in the trash. Nobody else was going to read it just that way. It was an abject lie, deceit, and was not truth. So it got put in the garbage, but torn up so nobody else could get it. And then you have the theological wizards that are going to tell you, and when they start a sentence out or they start teaching in this way, and they, re they might read a scripture, and then comes the words of danger and needs to be a red flashing light and you need to leave. Well, let me tell you what God meant when he said that. Or let me tell you what Jesus meant when he said that. No, let me tell you this about that. If God had meant to say what you are trying to twist it into, and Jesus meant to say what you are trying to twist it into, he would have said it that way, period. No question mark, no semicolon to continue on the thought. God said it the way he meant to say it. And that's just it. So when you have the individuals try to tell you, well, let me tell you what God meant to say when he said that. No, you don't do it that way. Uh, possibly a better way to say it. And I, I try to be guarded in what I say or how I say it. And that let me see if I can clarify it or, you know, because I'm not, and you've all listened to me for a while. This has been going on for a few years. And I may not be the most eloquent speaker there is. And there are aspects of my life. I mean, it was a hard thing, brought up hard and went through the military. It was an instructor. So I, I there's some thing, tendencies that I lean into. But when I say something, it's in truth. I will not speak anything other than the truth anymore. You should not be like that, but... It is God's truth, his knowledge and wisdom, which I prayed for. And as I alluded to earlier and sidetracked, the prayer of Shabez. And I shared briefly before Shabez had caused some great, he was born a, a big kid and caused a lot of pain and agony for his mother. And he had learned about that as he started getting older and he prayed to God that he never wanted to do anything that would hurt anyone ever again. And he prayed for God to bless him so that he could bless others. Well, God honored his prayer. And Chavez became quite prominent and wealthy. Two different directions, just like Job was. And he blessed other people. He helped whenever he possibly could. And he always said the same thing. God blesses me so that I can bless others and I will do that. And that's what I have prayed. And God honors that. And when he blesses me, just like we were taking part in that, um, it was very nice the other day, but it was Nathan. He gave, so I was giving. And someone had made a comment because I was going to take 
something home. I had to get ready to leave at the end of the evening and we were closing up shop and folding things away. So I was going to take some home. And someone came up and I didn't hesitate because the word was right there in my head, said feed. So I immediately didn't hesitate and I just gave it. Not not as an attaboy for me, not to pat me on the back and say, oh, wow, 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 because there were folks that were doing that. Well, it's not about that. It's about God gave, so we must give. That is the Natan initiative that we follow. And if we are following God's example, which we should, this is why we are called Christian. If you are a true believer of Christ, Christ-like, he gave so that we give. Why, why, is thing, why is it that everything has to be different with us? Well, it doesn't have to be. You can be bold, courageous, upright, and speak truth. And of course, we've gone into this before. The world isn't going to like it because you're not following their lead and their path. And you're going to be a peculiar, outspoken people. And then you have those that like to be in this, um, well, I'm going to twist up some knickers here, but that's too bad, so sad. Truth is truth. But you have those following that, that uh, the rainbow initiative and all that, and they so adamantly start speaking out how racist you are and bigoted if you stand in faith. And it's got nothing to do with either one at all. And here's the facts and the truth. I don't condone their actions or what they are, but I don't hold against the person. And they try to make it all about them, all about them. It's not about them, it's about the action, it's about the activity. And they're very demonstrative, they're very aggressive, and they get very angry very fast, and they wanna get yelling and screaming and shouting. Well, the problem with that is, as I've shared, and it applies in all things all the way across. Liars get agitated, loud, and aggressive when they try to emphasize or prove a point. If you're telling the truth, there's no reason for any of that to take place. And as I had one actually tried to fight with me, and I just simply looked at him and said, hey, this is not about you. And then they tried to make it so it was, and I just told him, I said, it's about what you're doing. And I said, but I pray for you every day. I'll keep praying for you. Which absolutely blew them out of their socks, and I think they didn't quite know how to respond to that. And that's okay because the Holy Spirit was guiding everything anyway. And see, those kind of battles that take place out there and they want to make things public, you, you leave things to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will guide through. There are some times where you're going to need to be swinging a sword and fighting and sometimes not. But that's the guidance of the Holy Spirit. That is the abject truth, the infallible truth. And I have seen that by the empirical evidence before me. Remember, I've shared these words with you. 
Infallible means the undeniable absolute. And empirical means that the evidence is too great. And it can't be argued or denied. But the important thing that we really have to remember is that we're looking around this world and things are just decaying and falling apart out here. And if you're really paying attention to everything and you're not running around on this plane of existence and you have blinders on, numbers and things I've shared with you about people that are being martyred in these other countries and then you have those individuals that are going to jump on the bandwagon and they're going to say, well, that's just conspiracy theory and you have no proof and blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, that's that's what they want to change it to and they want others to believe that, except there is proof. All you have to do is you're going to have to dust some of that dirt away so that you can see the relic of truth. It's there and it's sad. It saddens me a great deal that people are being put to death or they're sending, being sent to these, um, as I've shared with you, and this is really troublesome to my heart, and I have to pray for this every day, is that we have elected officials that like to use the term re-education camps. Well... I have to ask you this. Why Why do people have to be sent away for anything at all? Why do they have to be separated from their families and loved ones to go to someplace to be indoctrinated by your subject truth? Truth is truth. If you're telling the truth, these people don't need to go anywhere. They don't need to be separated from their family or loved ones. But... They were in other countries, and there are those who are following that indoctrination with their lives and trying to convince individuals that that's a good thing. Well, it's not a good thing because historically and truthfully, now, as in how they were, is these people go and they don't come back. And it is true. Numbers are huge numbers. But here's the important, and here is the absolute truth. And this is so great about what I was sharing. We have to learn, and this is in my, my reading this morning. We have to learn to relate to others through his love, God's love. And we have to learn that. And we have to learn that. It's not something that we just do. I mean, there are nice people, homo sapiens, kind people, and some people use the term loving. But here's the thing that without God's love and without that love that he put in us and the love that he put in them because they have it and I haven't had an opportunity to speak to anybody or interview anybody about that. But I think that if someone was to sit down and talk with them, they would find that there's a compelling force that they have in their heart. It isn't just that they just do it. 
And we can't do it if God's love wasn't in us first. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus Christ came here and sacrificed himself because of love. The greatest love. And Jesus told us when he was teaching us, sitting in the grass on the side of the mount, and he was telling us, there is no greater gift. And I'm going to alter that and make it a little bit more personal, which is the spirit is telling me it's okay. Because Jesus said it exactly the way he said it, and he didn't mean to say it a different way, and I'm not telling you he did. I'm just changing it because for me, when Jesus talks about gifts, he's talking about love. The love that the Father has. The love that he has. No greater love Then one lays down his life for his brothers or his sisters. No greater love, no greater gift is which he shared and he did. But here's the thing that so many people seem to miss is that, you know, Jesus did that willfully. He did that of his own volition. Nobody came and forced him into that and and they did all the beating and they did all that nasty stuff because that's what they chose to do. That's what they wanted to do. But it didn't require them to go down. And Jesus actually told them many times, just like he, when they showed up and they were in the garden of Gethsemane, he was in prayer and in the middle of the night, they showed up in thuggery. You had the Herodians, which the Romans didn't care for and the palace guards didn't care for and the Pharisees, they didn't care for. And those were Herod's private little police horse, his Gestapo. So you had Romans, Herodians, temple guards, Pharisees. Let's not forget Judas because he was not really leading the band, but he was in there. And when he showed up, he went over and he kissed Jesus on the cheek and then they pounced on him. And Jesus just told me, he said, why you come at me this way? You come out here in the middle of the night, dealing treachery, and you sneak around, and you got all this stuff. And he said, I was with you every single day. I came to your temples. I came to your little court that you held, and I stood before you on a daily basis because you couldn't fathom the truth, you couldn't deal with the truth, and you couldn't handle the truth. Uh-oh, going into Jack Nicholson there. Sorry. And just like Jesus told him, he said, you can't handle the truth because you don't recognize the truth. You don't understand what I'm telling you because it's truth, and you don't get the parables because I'm speaking straight out to you and you want me to speak plainly to you. And how many times have I spoken plainly to you and openly to you and you still don't get it because you can't handle the truth. 
And now you come sneaking out here in the middle of the night. I went to the synagogues. I went to your little kangaroo courts you had together. And you didn't put your hands on me then. But now you got to come out here in the middle of the night, sneaking out. And why? Because you don't want anybody to see what you're doing. Because you're actually scared. You are absolutely fearful. And there's that key, fearful. Fearful. And the liar, their father, deceiver, destroyer, And let's observe that. What happened to the flock when Jesus was taken? A whole bunch of them scattered. And there were some, and as we see when Jesus was getting ready to leave and he was on top of the mountain, he was talking to a group and some, and the Bible is very clear about it, and some walked away, some left. And you have that happening now. It's a term that I've shared with you before. It's called the apostasy. But Jesus talks about this. Matthew 24 talks about it and that there will be a great falling away. And all these things that Jesus talks about must happen before the return of the Son of Man. Who is the Son of Man? He is the Son of Man. That is a term that the Pharisaical tyrants didn't like to use because it was first spoken of in Daniel and they declared that he couldn't use that term because he was saying that he was something that he is, but they decided that it was something that he wasn't. And this is how, this is, <laughs> this is subjugated truth. His truth is truth, period, and their truth is not, but yet they want to bend it to make other people believe that it is. You can't bend the truth, it's straight. It is either truth or it is not. They never spoke the truth. You had some individuals, Nicodemus was questioning what they were talking about and saying, wait a second. And one of the things that they really didn't like that Jesus did is that he would always do these the miracles and things that he was doing, but he wasn't looking for laudation and he just walked away. He didn't want everybody to be chasing him down and all that. And, and he sought no notice and he didn't seek payment for it. Wait a minute. That's what they do. They go out and they try to exercise these things and they get sought payment for doing things that they ought to be doing as a, leader of the church. And then, of course, you're going to have those that are going to jump on and say, well, wait a minute, what about uh, tithing and offerings? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Don't try to do that. Don't try to subjugate. Don't try to bend things. One's got nothing to do with the other. And if they preach that it does, then something's wrong there and you need to seek the truth and you need to check with the Holy Spirit. You might not need to be there anyway because here's the thing. Your offerings and tithings are led of the Spirit, and you give as according in the Spirit will know. 
And if you're doing it to try to buy blessing and try to get something for something, you're in the wrong place. Back to my reading, talking about the love. God does it because he loves us and you share because you know that things need to be taken care of. And we just do that because that's what we want to do. And we do it because the spirit is leading, not because you're trying to get a special prayer out of somebody. And we have to learn that we have to relate to other people through the love that God has brought and instilled by him for God to love the world and Jesus no greater gift, no greater love can be demonstrated by the fact that I'm going to go get hung on a cross and have these nails driven through my feet and up here by my hands and I'm going to hang up there and I'm going to hang for hours during the day and they're going to throw rocks and clods and spit at me. I'm going to be struck. I'm going to be have a spear jammed in my side. Before I go through and do all of that stuff, I'm going to get Roman soldiers are going to beat me till I can't walk anymore. That I'm nearly dead because of the blood that's pouring out of nearly every orifice of my body. Because they have whipped me with these scourges that have heavy leaden beads in them. And the flesh is being torn from my bones and ripped from the sinews. I got to go through all that. So no greater love has anyone than to go through these things. But I do it because I love you and because this is what needs to be done. So that this is as intense as it is because the intense sinfulness that is filling the world. And we don't want to destroy the world like it was done in the days of Noah. But then Jesus sat on the side of the mount and he taught us that things will be that way before he comes back again. That we are going to turn toward that animosity. We're going to turn toward that animalistic behavior that we have toward one another. And love is not going to be visible. Brothers and sisters, you see that now. You have these organizations, you have these folks called Antifa or whatever that's supposed to be and claim that it's for something that's Right? How is it right when you have people that are peacefully standing on the side of the road and they're talking about church and loving God and all that, and then you have these people that are... <laughs> and they all wear masks. They pull a mask up so you can't see what their face is and, and they all wear black and parade around and they outrightly just attack people. So they're trying to bend truth and there's no love being shown there. That this humanistic love is full of flaws and manipulation, but God's love is not. God's love is pure. And he always wants to fold around. All you have to do is just open up your heart. Remember what I shared with you. God is a respecter of no man or woman. He just wants your heart. And if you can... Open up your heart and be that. 
He doesn't care what you have, what you own, what you don't have. He doesn't care what kind of cologne you wear, what kind of perfume you wear, what kind of heels you wear, what kind of slides you wear. He doesn't care what kind of suit you wear. He doesn't care what kind of loafers you have. Are they handmade Italian? Are they just some Tom McCann Skeckers or whatever the big fad shoe is nowadays? He didn't care about any of that. All he cares about is do you bring your heart to him? When you go to church, are you bringing your heart to him? Or are you coming to hang out with everybody else in the clubhouse and up around the coffee counter? And you stay up there. When worship time comes, are you trying to get to your seat so that you can get in and worship God? Or are you too busy engaging conversation out of the coffee counter? And that's become a thing in, in many, many churches. Coffee. A hang-up. I like it. What I really, really like, I'm going to share this with you. When I go to church, it's all free. Freely given. Don't have to buy it. I've been in places where they make you buy it. I shared that one church that I went to. You had to buy everything Every single thing you had to buy. You had to buy the cup of coffee. You had to buy, if you wanted a pastry to go with it, you had to buy that. If you went into the bookstore that was there and they, and they had a regular little bookstore. You went in, it was like a bookstore. And everything cost. They had table, label tags on it with the little reader and scanner and all this stuff on there. And let me tell you this about that. This place, the prices on there were not something that was good for anybody really the prices in there were actually more than in a regular bookstore and the one that was seemed predominant out there everywhere was the one that had the picture of the preacher on it or his kid and that should have been the red flag warning and I just went in and kind of snooped around was looking around because it was kind of a good place and I shared with you already that once I started talking to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit took me in and allowed a certain little thing to take place but was with me all the time and his plain clothes entourage actually assaulted me and the Holy Spirit was gave me a little flick in the back of my ear says do you hear me now yes father I hear you now it's time to go So what we have to remember is that God's love, his truth, he wraps that around us. And if we are truly following him and we're not trying to bend it and try to convince people by telling them what God meant when he said this, instead just say, let me prayerfully try to clarify this for you. And you pray through the Holy Spirit, you can shoot out those little bullet prayers I told you about. That clarity is given through the Holy Spirit and he will help you. That's what he is, Jesus told us he would do. God has promised that he would do. The Holy Spirit is going to come and walk and guide and teach. The Holy Spirit. And this is why Jesus told the disciples to hold off and wait. Yeah, it's a great commission that we go out and we share with the nation. But the thing of it is that if we are walking without the Holy Spirit, we're not taking that guidance. 
then you're going off in that thing that I explained to you, half cocked. You're not ready to go. And twice Jesus told the disciples to wait. To wait. Once the anointing came, then they were ready. And this is the loving presence and his arms folding us around us, surrounding us in that, so that we can bless others because he's blessing us. Instead of trying harder through our own initiatives and our own attitudes and our own actions, and as my reading, <laughs> I like the way my reading says, and our poultry supplies, and that's exactly what it is. We don't, when we try to do it on our own, we don't have, we don't have the wherewithal. We, we can't come on our own and do it. But that if we make ourselves aware that God's unlimited, this is like Jesus standing by my table and he's just pouring in and his blessings are just filling up my cup and just filling over and spilling onto the table and everywhere else. And I look up and he's looking right at me, right in my eyes. He's not deferred and being any other attention to anyone or any movement going on around. He's looking right in my eyes and pouring out his love and his blessings and filling my cup over. It's overflowing. And this is what God tells us. He can open the windows of heaven and pour out his blessings from his unlimited supply. And here's the thing. It is completely, totally accessible to us all the time. All the time. So what's important is that we let his love envelop us when we're in an outreach, which was really great yesterday. I loved that. And I could I could feel he was out moving around and, and moving with me and getting to be and talk to people and just being with them and sharing with them and being with them with him. And there's a lot of folks, and I've actually witnessed this a little bit, and unfortunately I'm seeing that where I'm going to church. There's some people, they get caught up in this burnout because they're so caught up in all these things being on their own. And I've shared this with you before, is that even in working at a church, people get so caught up in these things. And I like the way I found this in my reading, was they don't call it burnout, they call it drain out, because they're pouring out from what they have or what they know or what they think their capabilities are and they can't do it. And with all the interactions with others, they're just drained. And what's key and important, and a lot of people are, they allow themselves to feel guilty about taking time with God. I've shared that with you before, that it's important that we take time to be with God. And he tells us that we need to do that. But people start feeling guilty. Or they allow themselves to feel gay. Or Satan starts whispering in their ear. You 
You're taking time to spend with God. You can't take time. You can't afford this. The boss is going to come in and they get these things going on in their head. But you take time. Take time to rest in the love light of his presence. And if we do that, then we're going to gradually feel an increase in strength, an increase in that peace, and that you're going to start moving through the course of the day, and that's going to be, and you're going to figure out that, wow, he is with me. I can do this thing. Come on, let's go. Believe that Jesus Christ is only begotten Son. Have faith in God, Holy Spirit. Let's go. David talks about the limitless stretches and reaches and how his love is so, it's unfathomable. And no matter what, we, we can't figure out with our finite minds. And David writes about it in Psalm 36, 5. How the, his love reaches to the heavens and his faithfulness reaches up and to and through the skies. Always there, always faithful, always loving us. And Moses tried to declare this to Israel and they were busy shaking their fists at God quite a lot. But as Moses is leading them, and we can see this was written in Exodus thirty-three fourteen, is that the Lord talks to them through him and he said, the Lord, my presence will go through with you and I will give you rest. And Jesus declares this in Matthew 11 when he says, come and I will give you rest. All of you that are weary and tired and feel like you're heavy laden, come and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke. Learn from me. Hear me, listen to me. I'm gentle and humble in my heart. And in that, you're going to find rest. Well, the thing of it is that, brothers and sisters, I've shared this with you, that when you get people that are banging their hands and jumping around and screaming and hollering and trying to prove their point, tires them out. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers every single day going out and coming in. 